wife hates the yeah, yeah, yeah. It grows on you every single time. It does. does. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another amazing episode of Why They Hunt. I am the bad boy of paranormal himself, Dalen Spratt. And I am your ghost brother from another mother, Mark T. Mark T. You sound like the guy that used to do uh, Tybo. What was his name? Sean T, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. What happened to your hand, man? You all right? Remember that investigation we had last week? Is that the... the? Well, no, I don't think anything did this. I think I did it when okay. I was, okay. when I fell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, accountability. Self-accountability, yeah. Mark. I'm, I love that for you. Yeah, no, but I definitely had an experience for the first time ever, and... and um, uh, I'm still like shaking up over it a little bit. Uh, it's still in my mind daily. I could still feel it. Like I could feel something go through my hand. Um, wow. But also I think I hurt my hand at the process just falling because it made me yeah. fall. And I'm not saying and nothing pushed me. Yeah. I just fall. I mean, I'm just a follower. That's who I am. Hey, man. Better to be a follower than a follower. Mark, man, what are we here for today? All right. Today's haunt is pretty spectacular, especially for our season finale, um, because I think we're dealing with, at least I believe I uncovered, Nashville's first ever SK. And if you know what I mean by SK, that's somebody that unalives multiple people. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you think you've uncovered Nashville's very first one? Yeah, I mean, at least in documentation and record and, and somebody that went to trial over unaliving someone. So I, I, I definitely believe that this could be a possible SK situation here. Hey, man, I'm excited to hear about it, Mark. Get, tell me tell me the breakdown, man. Who are we talking about? Yeah, so we, we, we want to find out why this particular building on 6th Avenue North and Church Street is haunted. In the past, people have reported blood-curdling screams from a woman and running through walls. Uh, lots of running through and cold air brushes while people are in the walls, specifically on the third floor. And so I went and dug and found out who was on the third floor. And back in 1894, a doctor, a very young, very handsome, I mean, you know, Grey's Anatomy, the show that's been on for like 20,000 years. They have uh, Patrick Dempsey's character. His name was McSteamy, McDreamy, McLovin or something like that. Yeah. That's what yeah, they used Mr. Good-looking doctor. This was him. This was the modern-day McDreamy. Uh, wow. And he is a man by the name of J. Herman Feist. Dr. Feist. Dr. Feist. He was a feisty one. Also, <laughs> a real lady killer, if you will. I see what you did there, Mark. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to come up with that one? Well, I didn't. Uh, the newspaper uh actually did when he went to trial but that is foreshadowing let me just explain to you who dr feist was so dr feist was born in south alabama near mobile to a very stern father and uh an army general if there was one thing he was going to do he was going to excel as a student and he did and they sent him off to nashville to vanderbilt medical school which is still to this day one of the top one of the top medical schools right Hands down. And, you know, in the late 1800s, it certainly was. 
And he was a doctor that went there. And then after he got his medical degree, he stayed on to open up his practice in downtown Nashville. And he went into that state-of-the-art, brand-new building, the Wilcox Building. Now, he practiced starting in the 1890s, and he was, like, very young, you know, mid to late 20s by that time. Um, and again, very good looking. And here's a photo so you can see how good looking he was. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You, you, what do you think? I would date him. Yeah. I mean, he's, you weren't his type, unfortunately. But <laughs> At all? <laughs> no, no. No. He liked, fortunately he liked and long, unfortunately. He liked longer hair. Um, and you see, I just got a little cut, a little buzz looking cut. Looking good. Looking good. Looking good. Stacy got her man back is what she's saying. So, yeah. So Dr. Feist, you know, started practicing. And one of his uh, first patients was a 50-year-old woman named Martha Swan. But Martha also had a lovely 18-year-old daughter. And so he, you know, started a relationship canoodling with the good Martha Swan's daughter. Now, Martha had an illness that she was being treated with, but it wasn't, like, threatening, at least not in her family's eyes. But Dr. Spiced treated Martha long enough for the daughter of Martha to fall in love with Dr. Feist. And soon he proposed marriage, and they were set to be married. But But that's uh, not unethical, though, right? It's okay. You can't you can't date your patient, but you can date your patient's daughter, though, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of like that Nurse Nightingale thing, right? Only this time, it was the daughter of the dying mother, you know, falling in love for McDreamy. You know, yeah. who cares, yeah. right? So, yeah, but obviously, I would I would think if my future mother in law was sick, I would want to keep her alive, right? Well, I mean, maybe. Well, yeah, I'll, depends on yeah, what your relationship mother- was like with her. I love my mother in law. So yeah, I do too. On that front, there are a lot of men who don't agree with us, but <laughs> and they would gladly pull that plug on said mother-in-law. Yeah, but I think you know you want to have at least your mother-in-law at your uh, wedding, right? So, well, uh, so Doctor Feist, you know, uh, were engaged to be married to Martha Swan's dear eighteen-year-old daughter. And uh, at the time, he also got written into uh, the life insurance plan, you know, because if Martha were to pass away, how would she pay for her medical bills? Right. And obviously, the doctor was concerned about that. He was looking out for her best interest. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. He just wanted to make sure that she was not going to go into debt. So there was a $5,000 life insurance policy taken out and written to it was the good Dr. Feist, even before he married Martha Swan's daughter. Well, that seems odd, <laughs> I think. Question, though. $5,000 yes. is the equivalent of what today? Oh, I did the math. I love doing math for you. Uh, that's around $100,000. She had a whole ticket. Mm-hmm. And they gave, and he got it awarded to him with her passing. Well, I didn't even say she died yet. I mean, had the miracle but doctor. He, You're just assuming she died. No, but you said that he put himself on her policy, right? Yeah, but she he was keeping her alive at this point. But yeah, but she was going to die eventually, and he was going to get that hundred thousand dollars. Exactly. What I like to call so, a honey bun. Yeah, a honey bun. So the honey bun was close. 
Um, okay. Yeah, and obviously, I don't think he was willing to wait. And she got sicker and sicker <laughs> very soon after this policy <laughs> was written into Dr. Feist. Uh, lo and behold, one night, he got called over with her not doing too well. And so he decided to give her a shot to kind of, you know, get her feeling better. Uh, but she didn't make it through that shot. In fact, she went to sleep and she never woke up. Oh, what? At that point in time, we have now poor Martha Swan at 50 years of age pass away. But don't worry, there were still medical bills. And that $5,000 insurance life policy did go to pay for those bills to one Dr. J. Herman Feist. Feist and the daughter never got married either, by the way. But it's on record that the insurance policy was cashed out by Feist. That is correct. And here's how I know. Uh, because the family got very upset <laughs> after. So obviously, if you can take out a $5,000 life insurance policy back in 1898, uh, you have some money. So this was a wealthy right. family. Uh, and uh, Feist, I think, kind of picked up on that early on. He never married the daughter. So once he broke it off, took the money, kind of ran, you know, uh, they called... Yes, and they sued him for the money, and they won. Okay. Yeah, but did he pay he, him though? <laughs> he did. He was ordered to pay forty five hundred dollars back, and so he kept five hundred dollars, um, which you know is probably about twenty grand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Still so, a come up. It's still a come up. Yeah, I mean, look, some people say doctors are rich, you know, by keeping people alive. But I think Dr. Feist picked up on the fact that maybe if I don't keep them alive, I can get even richer. That's horrible. That logic is so hor horrible. That's narcissistic, psychopath. Sociopathic. Sociopathic. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. Yeah. Continue, please. Yeah. So, you know, I did mention that this could be Nashville's first SK. Well, now I'll tell you about another young lady. Let's fast forward five years. And now it is 1903. The good doctor is still practicing on the third floor of the Wilcox building. And he is seen gallivanting around with many women as he is Nashville's most eligible bachelor by far. I mean, he's of got a lovely he mustache he's grown now. He wears his spectacles. He's got the hair parted to the side. I mean, he is wearing suits to the nine. He's looking like somebody that made $20,000 off of some uh, the death of one of his patients at this point. Making, he, he looked like somebody making 20 a head. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, we didn't have a picture of old Martha, unfortunately, but we do have a picture of his girlfriend currently in 1903. And this right here is Sadie Goldstein. Oh, wow. I got a little crush. I mean, this is a, 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 I, when I see yeah. a beautiful woman like this. This is a beautiful young lady. This is twenty-three-year-old Sadie Goldstein. Mark, you're sounding real weird right now. You're sounding nope. weird. I'm not sound. Why? Because I like. I think a girl is cute. That's weird in today's world. I'm sorry. Lady that passed away. I'm sure a hundred and some years ago, and you're looking at a picture of her when she was twenty-three. Yeah, that's a little weird, Mark. Okay, so maybe I'm a little over her age. But if I were a 23-year-old single man in Nashville in 1903, 
<laughs> she would have been your type. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I would have been portly. Uh, and portly meant status back then. Well, it's not you, like today. You would, you would, you would have been looking like money back in 1908. Um, but, you know, Sadie wasn't in it for the money with Dr. Feist. She genuinely loved Dr. Feist. And this was reported by her sisters multiple times. But also, what was weird is Sadie, you know, she had a job as a new telephone operator. See, they were just starting out with this whole telephone thing, and they needed people to, like, you know, help out with the operating system. And 23-year-old Sadie got a job doing it, and she was working. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I thought you were making, I thought you were about to say she was a sex phone operator. Yeah, well, that was big in 1903, too. So No, and I wasn't even trying to be funny. Do you know when I first moved to L.A., I applied to be a sex phone operator? <laughs> 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 I was looking, I was so... Y'all, don't judge me, y'all. I love y'all. I was so desperately looking for a job. <laughs> I went on Craigslist. Oh yeah, and I Craigslist. Found a couple, mm. a couple of places to to to, um, to to put in an application. And the three, it was four jobs <laughs> that I had to go through with. One was um, trying to find sponsorship for kid charities. I did that, Children's International. Mm. It was two, the That's guy sweet. that goes and sets up demos at grocery stores. Okay. So like, look at the power knife. Oh. <laughs> I was that guy. The power the knife. The third, the power knife guy. Okay. The third one was a sex phone operator. Mm. I had to call in and the interview was over the phone. <laughs> no, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all improv. <laughs> Let's just say I did not get a call back, guys. <laughs> so you were a terrible failed sex phone operator? <laughs> I just like need you to walk me through nothing. a simple scenario. I'm a, I don't know what I was talking about. What, what, what you got on, baby? They were like, you know what? <laughs> They was like, like sir, you would have had to phone. have had sex, sir, to do this job. <laughs> right. Or at least yeah, pretend yeah. that you've had sex. A little you known couldn't Dalen even fact, do either. <laughs> a little known Dalen fact, I literally uh, applied to be a <laughs> sex phone operator in wow. Los Angeles, California. Back to the story, Mark. Oh, I don't even know where to go. Well, yes, yeah, so we do have a phone operator in I don't believe it was of the sexual kind in this young force. So wait, I was creepy because I found her attractive. And you're not creepy for like bringing up the fact that you thought she was a sex phone operator. I thought that's where you were going with the story, which made me think yeah. back to mm -hmm. my time of trying to trying to survive in the streets Listen, of L.A. You just, yeah, <laughs> I can see you getting off the bus, you know, all bright-eyed, <laughs> bushy-tailed, like, oh, look right. at LA. Look at the bright lights of L.A. Oh, yeah. Oh, this then looks quickly finding out how, how Quickly finding out how dark <laughs> the world is. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Oh, well, man. it's, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Back to the lecture at hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so right. <laughs> where were we? Sadie was a hardworking 23-year-old young lady. Uh, so she not only had beauty, she had brains, and she actually wanted to work for a living. You know, not everybody had to be a farmer or a farmer's daughter in Nashville. You know, big city girls got big city jobs, and she was one of them, and she was well on her way. And so much, she fell in love with Dr. Feist so much that when Dr. Feist always 
said he was going to marry her as soon as he got <clears throat> money. The doctor needed money. And why would the doctor need money? I mean, does is, is he not... Does he not have patience? What's going on? Uh, and what's interesting is Sadie would lend him money. She was very much prepared to be his wife one day. And he, she was even buying and decorating his office and buying the furniture. In fact, she was having furniture delivered the very night that she came to the good doctor's office at 7 p.m. on a Saturday evening. And the night went like this. It was a summer, humid evening. Sadie and her sister go down to the theater, which is about a block away from the Wilcox building. They did that mainly a lot during the Saturday nights. They'd go to plays, you know, as a form of entertainment during that time. Then right. they came back on their way home. Sadie left her sister and went to go see Dr. Feist in the Wilcox building. And her sister walked on her merry way home. Now, it was interesting because Sadie actually lived about two blocks away from the Wilcox building. But when Sadie got upstairs from the street, her sister must have not have been far because she heard Sadie scream at the top of her lungs. Oh, wow. So Sadie's sister ran as fast as she could to see what was wrong with Sadie. And so when she got there, she saw Sadie on the ground in the doorway. And right in the office was Dr. Feist and another woman. Oh, wow. So what happened to Sadie at the doorway? Well, so Sadie told her sister that she ingested some pills that she had gotten from Dr. Feist. And she might have ingested too many. And so naturally, she cried for help, asking Dr. Feist, help my sister, help my sister. And Dr. Feist told the sister, even though the sister had known that Sadie had been dating Dr. Feist and supplying him with money for at least a year, that he had no idea who the girl was. To the sister. And Are you he, serious? Yeah. And he left with the woman he was with. This sounds like a bad episode of Cheaters. Did you used to watch Cheaters? <laughs> Love Cheaters. Wasn't that <laughs> shot in your town, Dallas? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you on so it? many people. You were not. I wasn't, it. but I know a lot of people that was on the show Cheaters. <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> best show? No, best reality show of all time. And, and I love that it was syndicated because that means that they didn't have to worry about ad sales. They only they got paid to basically be on TV. It was an awesome show. Awesome show. Yeah. I think yeah. MTV's doing it now in a different variety version, but they're basically doing yeah. it. <laughs> they have a they have a spinoff with Peter Guns as the host. But the original cheaters, man, I'm talking about before Buddy got stabbed on the boat and it got oh, real. <laughs> right. Well, and so that's what's crazy is because if there was a reality show that you would have seen this and you would have seen Sadie do what she did and then Feist be like, I have no idea who this woman is. I don't know. That's what I just imagined Feist talk like, even though he's American. Right. But, you know, Feist was like, I don't know. It's kind of like a Larry David situation. Uh, she's OK. And he did. Right. He, he so and that's what he said to the sisters. She's like, she'll be fine. And then he left and she's crying for help. So she runs home. She gets the her dad to call the uh, family doctor and the family doctor gets there. Now, when Sadie's sister runs back to Sadie, she sees Dr. Feist is back. 
And she's like, are you helping my sister? He's like, I gave her a shot. She's going to be just fine now. A shot of what? Well, you know, probably the same thing he gave Martha Swan, if you know what I mean. Oh, wow. The death shot. Sounds like it. I mean, at this point, he's becoming the Dr. Kevorkian of the 1900s in Nashville. So... She wasn't dead when they when her sister found her, but she was in pretty bad shape. The yeah. sister calls for help from the doctor who's standing right there. Right there. And he's like, I don't know this lady. No idea. And takes his other woman, steps over her, <laughs> and yeah. proceeds to leave out. Yeah, exactly. And then he comes back? He did. He came back. And he was still, like, oh, y'all still here. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll help her now. It was like an hour later, though. And then, right. okay, so... He gives her a shot, says she's going to be fine, leaves again. At this time, her family doctor shows up, and he was basically like, Dr. Feist, what did you do? And he's like, I don't know this woman. I gave her a shot. She's going to be just fine. He looks at her. He's like, nope, she's dying. Let's take her to the sanitarium. And so they basically took her there, and yeah, she died in the morning. Oh, What? So did he get, did he get any financial gain from her? I know he claimed that he didn't know her. Like what happened? Like, so, how did so, that end? No, there was no insurance policy this time. But he Sadie had actually been paying like his bills, had been trying to furnish his office apart. So you know she had been she was really in love with him and really was told by him that he was going to marry her and she was doing whatever it took to get the ring on the finger. She figured, okay, I'll give you some of my paycheck while you save up for the ring. You know what I mean? And like, there it is. So, uh, but that never happened actually. And I hate that for, I hate that when people, you know, like Sadie get taken advantage of, and she's probably looking at this doctor. Like she probably from thinking it's going to be a come up in her life. Absolutely. She's so blinded by that, you know what I mean, that she don't even realize she's taking care of this man's lifestyle. Well, she was a hardworking girl. I mean, she had a job at 23 in a city. Like, you know, she was trying to make it for herself. And then giving her paycheck, which, you know, I mean, wages weren't good back then for women. I mean, not like they are now. But they definitely weren't back then. But I don't know, a telephone operator, this new type of job versus a doctor that went to Vanderbilt Medical School. It is shady as H-E double hockey sticks, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But that just goes to show you what type of person Dr. Feist was. The fact that you would take money from someone who who made who seemingly would make significantly less than you. Sounds like a monster. I I never could get behind people. I mean, robbing is wrong. Stealing is wrong. But I was always taught, man, you don't never rob the poor, man. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, Yeah, well, that's the thing. Most women who were just poor, man. Heck no. And most women, you know, back then who were, you know, if they came from a wealthy family, they wouldn't work. You know what I mean? They were just waiting to get the ring on their finger. And here she was. She was a very beautiful girl. And here she was like, oh, I deserve this handsome, attractive doctor who's the most eligible bachelor. He's going to be mine and we're going to I'm going to be Mrs. Feist, MD, and and, and we're going to live happily ever after. And I'm going to have 18 children with the man and they're going to all be taken care of because not only has he have money, he knows how to take care of his health. Man, it's crazy that this story is like hidden so home to me, man. Like I had a a really good friend of mine who uh oh no man it's sad man it's sad just hearing the story 
of Sadie and Dr. Feist, right? Like Sadie went out of her way and thought she found something that was just like the most beautiful thing. And it was all superficial and artificial Mm -hmm. and it potentially costed her her life. Mm -hmm. And I had the same thing happen to a friend of mine, man. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's same, bro, the exact same situation, man. Like the exact same situation. I remember when we were, uh, used to hang out all the time and he used to be like, man, he had a, a specific, a very, it's crazy the power of the tongue. He had a very specific type of woman that he always said that he wanted. Mm. It was a very, very specific nationality. Oh. It was just random. He used to always say, if I ever meet this type of woman, it is a wrap. It's wow. over. Wow. I am, that's who I'm, that's all I want. Wow. Mark, bro. He met this type of woman. Oh man. And literally his life went like she pulled him away from his family. He quit talking to friends, family. Oh. They ran off and got married. And then, man, sad to say, man, he ended up passing away about a year ago in an wow. accident. But there's so much like mystery behind the accident. So the family can't get in, could, like, they couldn't get any information from the wife. Like, once he passed away, she gave them the wrong information to, oh, the, like, like, all, it was. Wow. I say all that to say he was so clouded right. <laughs> by what yeah. he thought that this right. person was going to do for him or bring him yeah. or, 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 I, and it ruined him. Yeah. Mm. It ruined him, man. And I just I just see that with Sadie, man. I just hate that like you you want something so bad that you right. don't even realize that you're wanting your demise. Right. And, and 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 like it was a impulse thing that Sadie did. This was not a planned thing. She did not plan yeah. to go up there. No way. I, I don't her sister, you know, they, they were very well documented in the newspaper. Both sisters, uh, but the sister who witnessed the whole thing is the one how we got the blow by blow of the detailed account, uh, basically said that she was enamored by him and that she really thought that that she would be Mrs. Feist one day. And the fact that he was with another woman, but not only to be with another woman, that's fine. Whatever you're a dude, you, you do your dude crap. You obviously were a piece of junk to begin with, but then to say, I have no idea who this woman is as she's dying, (laughs) which is just crazy. So, yeah. yeah, if you think Dr. Feist is a monster, well, you ain't heard nothing yet. So, There's more? <laughs> well, There's that more. I know He's of, done more. <laughs> that I know of. So let's fast forward now two years. It's now 1905, 1906-ish. Uh, and we're around the time now where Dr. Feist has been gallivanting with a married woman by the name of Rosa Mangrum. Now, Rosa's husband was also gallivanting with a woman, so we know that they were on the rocks. They were about to separate. But bottom line was is Rosa had been with Dr. Feist for a little bit. Uh, And so basically what happened is on a December evening, Uh, she writes and sends a letter to her sister in St. Louis saying she is about to run away to Chicago and marry someone new uh, without saying who this new person was. Uh, She also said that she would be running by St. Louis on her way back from Chicago. 
Now, she had gone to Chicago off and on. I mean, that was kind of her thing. It, it wasn't really clear why. Um, but the man, so we're not really sure specifically who the man was. However, uh, on the night that she disappears, she is picked up by a cab on 6th Avenue North and Church Street. And if that sounds familiar, that's because that's where the Wilcox building is. And we know okay. for a fact at this time that she's been having relations with Dr. J. Herman Feist. Once again, she was madly in love with him and she was going to marry him, even though mm -hmm. she was still mm -hmm. married to her barber husband. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. That wasn't illegal to have two to have two at two at a time. I just think she just felt like she'd rather just get it over with. That's why I think she thought maybe Chicago, we could just do it and like nobody cared because obviously her the Barbara husband didn't care either. So right, uh, right. Uh, so, anyways, the cab picks her up. The cabbie describes her to a T. She is dressed up like a gilded age Barbie. Okay, her hair is this. Big, huge. Here's a picture. She's got this big, huge hair. Look at how big this hair is. <laughs> like this is a massive head hairdo here. Right. Um, but she's she's wearing a, a beautiful gown, and she's got all her jewels on. Her hands are covered in rings. She's got multiple necklaces. Like this girl is not just like getting the heck out of Dodge. I mean, she is getting a beeline for Dodge, if you know what I mean. So, right. And he takes her, the cab driver takes her to Union Station, which is the train station. Well, she gets out. He sees her. He, she pulls out a lot of cash from her stocking, which the cab driver assumed was about $1,500, which is roughly oh, wow. $4,000 $4 to $5,000 today. It's a lot of money. So, and so basically pulls out a big wad of cash, pays the cabbie, and then checks with a bellboy her bag, and that bag is checked to Chicago. So right now everything's flowing, right? About to marry mm -hmm. some dude in Chicago. We don't know who, but you're going to meet him in St. Louis sooner or later. And then, okay, at that point, no one sees her ever again. She vanishes. No one knows where the heck she is. And randomly, her luggage made it to Chicago. But she did not make it to Chicago. Because a month later, a little boy who went fishing along the Ohio River sees what he thinks is a log, goes up to the log, and finds it's a woman who is unclothed, no jewels, no rings, no money, just her undergarments. Oh, and some shoes. Uh, oh, and there's one more thing missing from her. What is that? Remember that beautiful hair we were talking about? Yeah. Yeah, her scalp was missing. So, there's only two people that know how to scalp people. Yeah. From my understanding of history. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know how hard it is. I haven't tried it. So, but yeah, maybe. I Go remember watching old like cowboy and Native American mm -hmm. movies. Yeah. And they used to scout people in those movies. Native and Americans I and I know do do that. Yep. And doctors. 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 Doctors should know how to scalp, right? 
They use scalpels. I, I don't know why you would scalp somebody, rob them and scalp them, but right? that's personal. It is. It's in and, and uh they didn't find that part. Um so wherever she met her demise is probably where that was and how did she end up in the Ohio River when the Ohio River isn't connected to Tennessee it's in she was actually in Illinois when they found her so yeah so she was almost to Chicago um whether or not she got on the train no one seems to know um so naturally when they find her this is how they identify her um, back then, you had your shoes handmade for you, and her shoes had a number on their sole, and they they also had the stamp of who made this shoe in Nashville. So they called it, and the guy checked the number, and he said it was Rosa Mangrum, and boom, we now have our Jane Doe, and she is the missing Nashville woman who had been missing for a month. Uh, but do you realize how sadistic it is to cut someone's scalp off <laughs> i mean i've thought about it a time or two yeah that that sounds like something like that's insane okay. yeah something well and it's weird too because it's almost like something out of a split personality type thing you know what i mean like you'd have to turn like it's one thing to rob somebody it's one thing to take someone's life but it's another thing to rob take their life and then like oh hey i also want to scalp you you know, so it's, yeah, that's personal. That's personal. Is. That's <laughs> that's. I know how much your hair and scalp means to you. Exactly. And now that, and I hate you that much. Right. And I'm going to take that away from you, even after you're already dead. I'm going to humiliate you. A hundred percent. And like, like I said, look at the picture, and we'll show it again. Like her hair. That's it's wild. Big, it's full. Like she cared about her hair clearly. And she didn't have any when she passed away. So um, so she was sent back to Nashville. And, of course, immediately, immediately the fingers began to point. At this time, because the media had covered Feist when the Swan uh, insurance thing went down. And the media covered Feist when Sa Sadie's sister went all ballistic on him and, and was like, yo, you killed my sister. And the doctor even of Sadie's like, you killed her, not Sadie killing her. <clears throat> and, uh, and so at this point we got three now and they knew everybody knew that Rosa and Dr. Feist had a relationship. And so naturally right. he becomes prime suspect number one and the only suspect and it didn't take long for them to charge him with the murder of Rosa Mangrum. So he got charged with the murder of Rosa. And there is a massive trial. And, of course, Dr. Feist denies, 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 denies. During the trial, there were some interesting witnesses, though. There were two dudes who apparently on the night she went missing saw a man dump a body in a sewer hole. Yeah. Did the man resemble Dr. Feist at all? Well, it was dark. Uh, so, uh, but they did witness that. And then, of course, now naturally the theory was that those sewers went out to the Cumberland River. Then she made her way into the Cumberland River, 
which then connects up with the Ohio River eventually. And that's how. And of course, it took a month now, you know, for her to be found on the bank. So it's it's not impossible that she was dumped in Nashville and then floated all the way up there. That's not impossible, especially during the winter, you know, because it's a lot. So she floated from Nashville all the way almost to Illinois. Listen, it's not impossible. Um, okay. That's all, all right. I'm saying. Let's go with it. Let's go I'm with not, it. I'm not going with it. But then there was another witness who was a steamboat captain who was along the Cumberland. And he said he saw what he believed to be a body floating in the river, which when he got to shore, report it. But of course, they never found the body and he never went up to see if it was the body. But he did come forward during the trial and say, yo, I did report this. So it's possible. Um, oh, wow. You know, it, it's very wild. I mean, look, I, who would have robbed her? When would they have robbed her? Did she get on the train? Did somebody rob her on the train and then, throw her off the train? We, what do you think? Let's say, let's say if we did throw it on our our guy Feist. Yeah. Where did he meet her at? Why did he do it that way? Like you know what I'm saying? Like there's all the, it's the logistics behind it that throws me off. You know I'm a logistical guy when it you comes are. to our crimes. Like what what the logistics behind it? I so know. you met her. She was coming to you, but you caught her off guard in the city that she was leaving because yeah. she wasn't expecting you. And then you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. What, I don't know. What's the motive? I mean, obviously exactly. robbing. No, I mean, look, she had $1,500 cash and all her jewels. And it's possible he's like, honey, we're going to run away together. Get every jewel you own and all the money you have. And yeah. then yeah. it's possible that he robbed her and then make it look like a robbing because naturally his MO wouldn't have been scalping either, you know? So it's possible that he tried to, he scalped her just to throw him off to be like, yo, some, some savage, you know, did this to her and robbed her. Listen, so man, no one would, whoever cut her scalped off, hated her. Right. That's or knew her. I think he knew whoever did that knew her. I think that's very, I mean, you're right. It's hateful, but I'm not, I don't know if we're dealing with a man that feels love or hate. If we're talking about mm. Dr. Feist, I think we're talking mm. about a sadistic SK here because we got yeah. three people that we know of and I, I'm beginning. To, I, it's a pattern. And even it's so much of a pattern that the police and the media were like, yo, you're not going to keep getting away with this dude. You know what I yeah. mean? You're going to keep treating women like this. And these women just keep passing away on you. We're not going to let you get away with this anymore. Now, the problem is, is there's no smoking gun in this case. It's all circumstantial. And I don't right. even think there's any coincidences here other than the fact that he knew her. So, I, and that's a coincidence that I could be like, okay, maybe there's a coincidence because it's a very odd case here. However, his pattern, right. his, his personality, his M, I mean, somebody that just takes from the poor, right? Uh, doesn't treat patients, but rather than puts, puts their life out. And then, you know, tells women that he's going to marry them, uses his looks. It just like seems like a, a manipulative, self-servant, sadistic jackass, man. Yeah, like, I don't even absolutely. think there's nothing more to it. No, you're like, right. He's I just, agree. He's a psychopath. You know, whether he unalived 
uh, Rosa or not. I think he has psychopathic tendencies. So do we know if he has, like, are, are those the only bodies that you know that he has? Like, or do, do you know of more? No. Or is that's, just those three? Those were the three that were reported on in the newspaper that linked his name. You know what? The fact that there's so much unknown to this case, because it's yeah. like, all right, he got away with a lot. Right. It hasn't really been proved that he did anything. Right. We don't know who else is out there. Right. We might need to bring in somebody for this. Ooh. One. Ooh. You feel me? I would love for you to bring in a certain someone. Just surprise me. Who Just said it was a guy? Who I said, said a certain a someone. I said a certain someone. Oh, okay. Oh, but now you're okay. t- you know, now you're hinting at someone. Hey, it might be a gal. I don't know. Y'all got to tune into this investigation to see who we bring in. This is a season finale, and you know, season finale have to have surprises. They have to, or you have, have to go to Disney World in the in the in the finale. That's true. We have to do that. So, well, it's interesting. So this investigation. So let me just finish out what happened to our good doctor. Uh, he was found guilty of the murder of Rosa Mangrum. Rightfully so. Rightfully damn so. I mean, if you think so, it seemed very circumstantial to me. I mean, they had no smoking gun and stuff. So did he go to jail for it? He did for a year. Because guess what? After a year, he appealed. And guess what? He got off. He got off. And when he got off, he got out of Dodge. And he left and went back to Alabama, where he lived out the rest of his days. As a doctor, too. But here's what's crazy. Alabama would not give him a medical license, and yet he still practiced while he was in Alabama. Wow. I mean, I guess one of those situations, man, you feel like you earned it, man. Right. (laughs) Like it ain't going nowhere legally or illegally. But here's the thing. If he was in Alabama, you know, hiding out where people probably didn't know what happened because it was a pretty big trial. I mean, it was sensationalized in a lot of papers, not just in Nashville. So it would have been hard for him to go anywhere. So maybe his hometown where he felt safe – did he continue on with his sadistic path is the question while he was in. I don't feel like that's anything that just stops. I feel like it's like the 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 thirst for blood. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like they say well, once doctor. animals taste it. Yeah. Well, and so, money. You know, that was his. Yeah. That was his 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 lifeline. Yeah. You know what I mean? That right. was the, where he got money from. Yeah. You know, that's probably where he got his fake love from right his ego stroke you know what i mean yeah his fix like yeah it's way bigger way bigger i don't feel like that's uh something that just goes away i feel like that's a desire that only grows and intensifies right so this would have been 1908 by the time when he left right are you ready to hear how long he lived of course till 1952 79 years old he almost touched 80 Almost See, that's not fair. He, his potential victims were all younger, and right. he lived a full, full, healthy life. Yeah, full. If if he did what they say he did, that's messed up. But I'm I'm almost positive he's definitely have to be receiving some type of judgment in the afterlife. You can't yeah. get you can't live a full life after doing stuff like that and not receive some type of judgment. To investigate this, you know, obviously it's back to Nashville. Uh, to meet with uh, Martha and Sadie, who are buried in uh, grave sites here in Nashville. Uh, Rosa, okay. unfortunately, and and look, she just was in a state where it wasn't presentable, so they cremated her. Uh, and there's okay. no burial site. We don't know where the ashes were. 
Um, we know she was from Jackson, which is about two hours outside of Nashville. Uh, but I could not find a place where her family was buried or anything like that. So, yeah. uh, so that is not going to be a place where we'll visit, but I'll take you to the Wilcox building, um, where it, that still stands today. That's an apartment complex, uh, where I'm sure the new tenants are getting uh, a rude awakening during the witching hour. Um, and I'll show you that and I'll show you the, uh, the windows where his offices were, where Sadie died. I, I, I think if, if there is a, a ghost inside the Wilcox building, we know Sadie for sure passed there for sure. But yeah. how many others? We don't know. So we just need to be prepared for whatever could possibly come through. Could this be a H.H. Holmes house? You know what I mean? Could yeah. this whole building just have this this negative residual energy just surrounding it? I mean, you know, so we'll have to, you know, take a look. And I'll show you the alleyway uh, where the dump uh, happened, the witnesses said. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll take you there. Now, and then what do you say we do a road trip? Uh, to where? <laughs> Well, to Alabama, of course. We got to go see the good doctor. Okay. I like that. I like that. So this is this case is crossing county line. Yeah, or state line. Yeah, this is a federal. This, now we're going federal. Yeah, so he, he's, he's about six hours south of here, uh, buried in a very small plot, in a family plot, uh, in Alabama, in a, in a town with one stoplight and no convenience store. So you're not going to be able to get your hot dog. Hey, man, I can always get a hot dog. Yeah, well, not in this that. town. So I'm yeah. curious to know who, if Dr. Feist is hanging around there or if there are other people hanging around there still. I don't and know. And if his reputation is as bad as it says it is, how do the people that are resting around him feel? Like, I've been to graveyards before and asked those type of questions. Yeah. And spirits are, tend to be very, very vocal about their final resting areas and those that are near them. Yeah. So, well, and that's I mean, the that's thing. It's like, did people know who he was? Did he do more? That's all I want to know. Right. Is he an right. SK? Is he? Because right. his SKs weren't like what we would expect from people like the D guy and the TB guy. These were very manipulative, calculative, like, I'm a doctor. You're going to be just fine. Oh, you died. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. Couldn't do anything yeah. about it kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like we have some dope line of questions for a few different people, man. We got a couple victims and we have a potential potential suspect that's yeah. taking us, taking me from Atlanta to Nashville back to Alabama for this one case. Yeah. I love it, man. I feel like we're putting in work, man. We yeah. need some merit badges. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, look, again, season finale. We got to pull out all stops here, man. This is it. This, we want to give you all something, a good send-off, but we also want to solve this the, this crime. We want to know if he did it. And you know what? I'm mad as hell, and I want to know if this SOB did what he I did. I knew you was about to see SOB. I knew you You look like a a, a, a person that calls people SOBs. You SOB. You, you look like you do this to people. Do people still get that to people? I mean, when I, you know, that's a road rage thing. Oh man, the other day somebody doubled me. Oh, they gave you two of them. Yeah, you should have responded back with one of these. I yeah, don't even. No. I forgot what that even. What does that mean? Well, that's up yours. Does that mean SOB? 
No, that's up yours. Oh, it's up yours. Up yours. You know, up yours. I'm gonna start giving. I'm bringing that back. I'm bringing yeah. that back. You bring. Yeah. Well, no, but then it's like you know. <laughs> oh, you giving people those? <laughs> that's what I got. I got double these y- yesterday. Yeah. Hey, Mark, you probably deserved it. Hey, guys. <laughs> I'm excited to get to this one, man. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see y'all on Sunday. Um, take care. Have a good week. Be safe. And uh, hey, man, yeah, and let us know us. in the comments what you think of Doctor Feist, and if you think whether or not he did do these things that we are maybe potentially saying he did or didn't. You know. And put in the comments some questions that you feel like we should ask Doctor Feist sure. when we get there Sunday. Oh, and like maybe, what type of line of questioning? Maybe take a guess and gander who Dalen is suggesting we bring along to Alabama. Might See you later. For you. Smell you later. Wow.